0: Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to encounter church. I'm pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today I hope this message inspires you encourages you and transforms you Good enough. Enjoy. Am I good enough you ready to go with me today? All right, let's dive in first Kings chapter 17 uh, Verses 8 through 16. We'll read it and then I want you just to hang out there We're gonna hang out in this entire text for the rest of the day And we're going to unpack this to the best of of my ability with the help of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. Now, when I'm reading this, I'm like, that's a little demanding. This is, and, and you need to understand the context. They're in a famine. There's no food. There's no water. This is a rough time, and Elijah's like, hey, water? And uh, while you're in there, make me a sandwich. I know in my house, that doesn't go over well. And I've learned if mama's happy, we're happy. If mama's not happy... All right, um, and so I've learned to do all the cooking it was make everybody happy. All right, so uh, and Elijah's like, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. That's, wow, that escalated quickly. Give me a bite of bread, we're going to die. All right, this is, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Once again, that seems a little harsh to me. Like, this is all we have left. We're going to cook this, and then we're going to die. And he's like, don't be afraid. You ever had somebody say something that seems so insensitive in the moment? Like you're dealing with trauma or a, a a life-altering situation, and they're like thoughts and prayers. Uh, gag me, uh, you know. And this Elijah's like, "Don't be afraid. Go ahead, <gasps> go ahead, and do just what you've said. But make a little bread for me first, All right? And then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son." For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always, someone say always, there will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. I want to ask the question today, are there any leftovers? Are there any leftovers? Father, I thank you for the moments that we have shared, the encounter of the Holy Spirit we have felt in this place we pray that, God, as we leave here, that you would challenge our hearts, change our minds, empower our spirits by the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. amen. Everybody say my mind is open, my heart is ready, I receive it, I believe it, do it, Jesus. We are getting into one of the most joyous times of year. My daughter started playing Christmas music last week. And parenting don't prepare you for moments like that. Uh, A level of anger rose to the surface when I called her on FaceTime to see how she was doing on her schoolwork, only to hear Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, in the background. And I'm like, it's October. We're coming into a season where we do a lot of cooking and a lot of eating. And one of the things that just hits differently this time of year is the leftovers. Anybody with me on that? There is something special about going to the fridge the day after Thanksgiving and grabbing a Hawaiian roll and throwing some leftover turkey and gravy, some mashed potatoes, some green bean casserole. I'm messing with you. You're hungry now. I got you. And throwing it on your plate. There's just something about the season and the spice that gets soaked into the leftovers. But have you ever had a meal so good that you didn't have any leftovers? Or maybe you just didn't. You were in a season that you didn't have enough for leftovers. A season that you didn't have enough for leftovers. The question that I'm asking today, the primal question is, am... I good enough and the other questions that this brings up because you may ask it in a different format. instead of saying am I good enough you're like that I've never asked that question but maybe you've asked this question that really unpacks the question am I enough am I good enough do do I matter do I have the right to exist why is life and everyone always against me And I would say this today, that those questions actually aren't kingdom questions. Uh, They are worth traps that can cause you to hustle for value instead of being locked in on your value. They cause you to work for value. To see that your value is connected to temporal things, to people's praise to their ability to recognize, for your ability to have more of, and we connect our value and our worth to temporal things that have really no lasting eternal value. They're just worth traps that get you stuck. Our world is infatuated with worth traps. And the reason why we are living in the, one of the biggest mental health crisis that our world has ever seen is because we have created systems and ideologies and comparisons uh, in social media, in our jobs, where we work, what we do, with the people that we're around, to the point where we feel like we are not good enough based on what we have or don't have. Whether somebody actually saw us or waved at us or not. And our primal fear with am I good enough or am I enough or do I matter or do I have the right to exist? Our primal fear is to be negatively thought of, to be criticized. We're living in a world that is constantly on the edge of the next latest offense. How can I be offended today? Instead of how can I make a difference today? What is it that's going to set me off? What is it that's going to trigger my offense? How can I be offended if somebody doesn't agree with me? We internalize it as they are against me. Questioning inquiry is not an assault on your person or your character. It's simply an inquiry. The ability to process must not be through the filter of everyone's against me, but it must be through the filter of what can we collaborate and do better together. Does this make sense to anyone this morning? It's this moment that we continually dwell in negative thoughts, constantly afraid of criticism, constantly fearful that someone's going to disagree with my point of view and therefore created Offense as being popularized. And our primal need that connects us with all of this is we have to be affirmed and we have to be recognized and then we then we seek validation and value from our uniqueness and then our contributions, which leads us down a cycle of overperforming, defensiveness, self-judgment, and victimhood. Does this sound like 2023? It's that cycle of I'm going to overwork myself to produce more value. I'm going to be defensive because it's against who I self-judge. I'm going to live under a victimhood. And what is the, the reality of all of this is, is that it's your inner world that determines your limits, not your external world. It's the inside of me. And so we live with these two things. And I want to switch you from one list to the next list today. The first list is we live our life with a lot of self-abandonment, life abandonment. And life abandonment sounds like this. Why even try? Have you ever been there? It's not working out in my favor anyway. It's not going the way I want it to. I, my, my job seems to just constantly be running up. My relationships seem to just uh, always run dry. I'm never enough. I don't. So why even try. Uh, I wish I was someone else. Have you been there? I, I see everyone else succeeding or going forward or doing things I wish. And, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, Instagram's a cruel place. Filter something until it doesn't look like a real thing anymore. And all we do is we see the highlight reel and not the behind the scenes. We can take the nice picture of the house, but we really don't look at the dog poop in the backyard. You you see what I'm saying today. I wish I was someone else. The grass is always greener on someone else's lawn. I wish I was someone else. It's it's all their fault. We pass the blame. We shift it to someone else. We don't take any ownership. Uh, It's I failed, so I'm a failure. These are language. It's words of life abandonment. Or maybe it's the place, someone, please come rescue me. And I want to take that list with a kingdom perspective and switch it to life ownership. And this is the list that I think we should function with under a kingdom perspective. And that is this. I can do hard things. I can do hard things. Hard things falls under the category of what Paul said, all things. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the Strength, right? So hard things is under all things. I accept myself and my flaws. My life is my responsibility. I failed, I'm learning. Not I failed, so I'm a failure. I failed, I'm learning. And then I will allow God to do a healing work. I will allow God to do a healing work. There's a lot of times I want to heal myself and I don't know how to do it. And so I will self-medicate and self-medication always leads down paths that you don't want to go down. But if I rely on the great medicine giver, the one who created, designed us, formed us, who knows everything about who I am and how he created me, if my attention will go to him for my medicine instead of self-medicating, I'm going to live a much better life. So I have to allow myself to yield and say, God, do a healing work inside of me. And the biggest bully you're ever going to be is not the guy on the schoolyard trying to take your lunch money. It's not the internet troll that's, that's messing with, with your latest post. It's your inner voice. It's your inner voice that creates a non-stop shame storm. Don't try to say that ten times fast. It'll mess you up. It's a shame storm in our minds on repeat telling us that there is something wrong with us. That we are hopelessly flawed. That we are unworthy and unlovable. So, how do we get over not feeling good enough? Well, I want to take our attention to the book of Kings, like we read from our text this morning. And this lady in the middle of a famine is out doing her last deed for her family. She's out there gathering some sticks, and the prophet shows up. And Elijah, in verse, it will start in verse 8. Lord said to Elijah, Go live in the village of Zarephath. That word Zarephath, I, I looked it up. The, that word, the definition of that city literally means refinement, adversity, or affliction. And God's like, I want you to go live there. If that's me, I'm like, You got the wrong number. Try again. Right? You, you called the wrong guy. I'm not going to a place of refinement a place of adversity, a place of affliction. That's not where I'm supposed to be. But Elijah goes, and when he gets there, God had given Elijah a word, I'm going to feed you. Elijah had just come from living next to a brook where ravens came and brought him bread every day. A, a, an unexpected miracle from an unexpected place. And now God's like, now I want you to move to Zarephath, live there, and you're going to be fed, and there's going to be a widow woman there who's going to take care of you. And the first person he sees is this widow, and she's gathering sticks. And he looks at her, and what does he say? Go bring me. All, all I want is a little, a little water in a cup. What's interesting about this is the language behind this. And I want to show you the, the thread throughout this text today. He said, Just bring me a little water. In a cup. Do you see the the smallness of what he's asking? She did not hesitate for the little water. She went right away because she had enough water in her house to spare and give it to him. The confrontation did not happen until Elijah asked for something she did not think she had enough of. Her first statement, I'll go get the water. I I, I got a little water in a cup. I can can do that. Elijah's asked her for what what he knew she had. She had a little water in a cup. Let's start there, child of God. God is going to look and he's going to ask and and some of us are looking for our worth in other places but what is it that you actually have that you are doing well that you know inside you know God loves you let's start there with a little water let's start with just what we know what we are connected to the the little thing that we have it may not be a big thing and oftentimes we get caught up in looking for the big thing that we forget the little things You and I, because you woke up this morning, that was a miracle. Some of you have lived lives of addiction and you are here today and you are sober and you are clean. That is a miracle. Some of you have dealt with health situations that should have taken your life, but you are here today. That's a miracle. Some of you should have been divorced. Some things should have fallen apart. Some of you contemplated killing yourself, but you're still alive and you're breathing. That's a little, that's the miracles today. Some of you, your businesses should have failed through 2020, but they went on and you're here today still able to thrive. It's a little miracle, it's a little something. Some of you, your family should have been decimated, but you're here today and you're rebuilding your family. And here it is just a little bit. I'm reminding you, some of you should have lost your jobs because yeah, you were a bad employee one day, but God gave you grace enough to change some attitudes and you're still working, you're still thriving, God's got some things. I want to point back to the small little things that we need to mind ourselves i've got a little water in a cup somewhere there's some miracles i need to go back and refresh there's something in my house that god's given me it's just a little water you want to get over this this feeling that i'm not good enough let's look at what god has given you that's good oh god will give you good things and we forget because it's not a lot Elijah did not say, Go bring me a gallon of water. You know why? Because he couldn't have drank a gallon of water in that setting. And often we are looking for the excess in connection to blessing, when oftentimes blessing comes in the small that leads to the overflow. And if you'll start looking for the small things that God has given you, that God has blessed you with, that God has provided for you. Some of you are in a bad season right now. Some of you are at, at a loss right now. You don't know what the next day is going to happen. You've dealt with some horrible things over the last few years, even this last couple months. Maybe this last week and you are walking in here feeling completely depleted, empty on your last leg, don't know how you're going to make it tomorrow. And I'm reminding you from the Word of God. God is saying, I want you to go back to the house. And I want you to look for the small things, the cup of water that you still have there. What's, What's the small thing? And then Elijah said this as she was going to get it. Bring me a bite. He did not ask for a full loaf, although that would be amazing. He didn't say, I want a full cake. Ice it. Candles on it. It's my birthday today, actually that's not what he said. He said, I just want a bite. Do you see the language here? A small cup of water, a bite of bread. And that's when she said, I swear, by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece. I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug and I was gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. I want to remind someone today that there is still A handful of flour, there's still a little bit of oil, and there's still a few sticks. We constantly measure what we have left or what we have little of. I have only a little bit of patience today. All I have is a little bit of faith today. I don't have much. I don't have a lot. And so I can't even really get you a piece of bread because I don't really have a lot. And we have created the illusion of emptiness based on the little that we feel like we have. Inside of us, we, don't, we say things like, I don't have the energy for this today. Anybody? Anybody? You woke up and your kid's like, I'm not eating this today. I don't have the energy for this today. Just eat it. You walk into your job and your boss is like, I need this. I need this report on my desk. I need these numbers by the end of the day. And you're like, I don't have this. I don't. We're always measuring what we don't have by what little we do have. The reality is, is you have a little oil And you still have a handful of flour. It's just your perspective on how you're going to use what you have left over. You actually have enough patience. You just feel like you don't have enough because you've created the illusion of emptiness. You actually feel like you don't have enough energy because you've created an illusion of emptiness. Because we are trying to operate at 100%. And all God is asking for is the 10%. Some of us are overworking ourselves, trying to reach 100%, and God's like, all I'm wanting is just a little bit of water. I just want a little bit of oil. I want a little bit of flour. I want a few sticks. I just want the little bite of the bread. I don't need the whole pie. And some of us are like, well, I don't have the whole pie, and so we talk ourselves out of where we're going, what we should become, and how good we are, and how much and enough we are based on the little bit that... That we have. And God's like, I'm not asking for everything. All I'm saying is what you have inside of you is worth it. It matters what little. The energy you have, use it for the kingdom. The patience you have, use it for the kingdom. The faith you have, use it for the glory of God. It doesn't take much in moments like that for you to quit because you have created the illusion of emptiness. We're just going to use this and then I'm going to die. I'm going to use this last bit of energy, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm going to use this last bit of patience, and then I'm done. I'm, I'm out of the picture. I'm not enough. And what you're doing is you're quitting and operating from a limited fixed mindset. Because the fixed mindset says, this is it, and you can't get any more. The fixed mindset says, when you use all of your energy, you cannot get any more energy. The fixed mindset says when you use all of your patience and all of your strength and all of your kind words for the day, because there's a limit, at least in my life. I've used every kind word I have, so I'm not going to say anything else the rest of the day. When I've used all of it, we believe because we have a fixed mindset that that's it. Nothing is coming back to this. And so we are very careful to hold on and reserve and save what little we have because we don't know when we'll get replenished again. And what we've done is we've actually revealed that we are in a spiritual famine because we have forgotten to trust the one who brings the rain and we have expected ourselves to produce the crop. We're working. The reason why we don't feel good enough or we don't have enough is because we're trying to produce a crop that God wants to water before you harvest it. And what you believe about yourself is often connected to your mental measurements of what energy you have, the strength you possess, the drive, the patience to handle the circumstances. I grew up and. uh, I shared a little bit of this at Man Camp, but I'll, I feel just to share it with you today. I, I grew up um, not feeling good enough. Um, you may see me as a guy with a lot of confidence. Great, I tricked you. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up. I grew up not feeling good enough. I, I lived under the shadow of my dad, who uh, is a professional musician. A recording artist um, a a man who was incredibly gifted in 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 music um, and I would often have and so I, I would my mom started training me on the piano at four years old. Have you ever tried training a four year old on anything? Very frustrating I'm not a piano player um, she they worked on me I, I I learned how to how to play. Uh, the bass guitar. I learned how to play the guitar. I learned how to play uh, the trumpet. I I, I worked through uh, instrument after instrument after instrument. A part of marching bands and jazz bands, and uh, I, I would I would do recitals and, and these things. But never was good enough. My dad was very very particular. Very. Um, militant in, in if you made the wrong chord we've got a problem here in fact i remember uh someone playing at a camp meeting we were at one time and he couldn't stand it anymore he walked on their stage and tuned their bass guitar while they were playing in the song that's my dad <laughs> Uh, I remember practicing behind stage at a children's crusade he was speaking at, and I was just practicing the bass with the song that was going on. I wasn't on stage. I was behind stage, just wanting to run through my chords and run through my, uh, my scales, and as I'm doing that, he comes around back and says, you need to shut that off. I can hear everything, and you're doing it wrong. And so I would live with people wanting to know, when are you going to play like your dad? We'd go places, and he'd travel, and we'd, I'd get asked, are you going to sing like your dad? When are you going to be like your dad? How are you going to, when, are, when are you going to, to, to lead the choir? When are you going to, to sing the song? When are you going to do this? And, and so wow! I was never told I was not enough, I was told I was not enough. You know what I'm saying? No one ever looked at me and was like, Craig, you're not enough. But because I was never able to produce what they wanted from me, I was never enough for them. And so I've lived with, I can play a little, but I don't have the capacity to play it all. And we live with this mentality. And it wasn't until I realized that God has not called me to play an instrument, God has called me to use my voice to free the captive. God has used my voice to be able to speak to lives and see their life transformed. God has used me to write. God has used me to speak. God has used me to encourage. God has used me to pastor. I may never step and play the piano like Lindsay and Mary and play the guitar like Jim or the drums like Brandon, Adam, or Matt. I'll never be able to actually do that. But it's not because that I don't have enough. It's just that I'm looking at my oil the wrong way. I may have a little talent, but this talent is to be used somewhere else inside. Some other capacity. And it's easy to play the blame game. It's easy to, to blame someone or something else because it eases the pain and it eases the shame of not feeling good enough. And the feeling of not being good enough produces shame. And Brene Brown says it like this, shame derives its power from being unspoken. And some of us are living with unspoken shame. And I would like to say you break the power of shame when you begin to start declaring, I know that I may not have a lot, but I do have a little oil and I still have a handful of flour and I've got a little cup of water and I've still got a few sticks and I'm going to use all of this to produce the very thing God's called me to produce. I may not have a lot, but I still got enough. Because shame will always numb you before it kills you. Fear and shame measures us by our abilities and our inabilities. Do you have the ability or you don't? And fear and shame will measure you in comparison with your abilities and inabilities, with others' abilities and their inabilities. But faith and hope measures us by God's ability. And when we connect our worth to our ability, we will feel worthless. We will feel not valued. We'll feel there's moments that I haven't been recognized for great work that I've done. But my value is not connected to someone else's recognition of me. My value is connected to God's recognition of me. And God said, you're enough with what little you have. It's just a little, but it's enough. And I would like to declare over you this morning, you have enough in you to do your job. You have enough in you to raise your kids. You have enough in you to continue succeeding. You have enough in you to keep being married. You have enough in you to find the spouse. You have enough in you to start the job and the career and the college and the school. You have enough in you to finish your classes. You have enough in you the capacity is within you. And God's given you a little oil and a handful of flour. And you have enough in you to do your job. You just don't have enough in you to do God's job. And this is where we get frustrated because I feel like God's job has to be done from what He's given me to do for my job. Did you notice? The lady had enough ingredients to make what the prophet asked for, she had enough ingredients. To make what was asked for. But her frustration was that she didn't know if she would have any leftovers. My third and final point is this today you've got a word, so start using what's left over. You've got a word. You've got enough in you to do your job, you just don't have enough in in you to do God's job. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first, a, a a little bread, then use, everybody say this with me, use what's left. to prepare a meal for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers. You see, the reason why we doubt God is because we have watered down the word always. You always are against me. No, they were one time. You're always so negative. No, they were one time. You always do this. Have you ever had that argument with your spouse? Come on, anybody in the house. Uh, this is what keeps us employed. Uh, you always you always burn the meatloaf. No, it was one time. In our house, you always cooked chicken and made it purple with grape applesauce. No, it was one time. I won't tell you who did it, but it's... It, you, <laughs> you always you never you never listen to me when i ask you to do something you never finish your homework when it's supposed to be done am i talking so we have watered down powerful words so when we read words like there will always we consider it a one-time event because always to us has been a one-time event because we use it in confrontation to then get a rise out of somebody So when God says something like always and never, there will always be enough left for you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When God says it, he is not a vindictive spouse. He is not a friend who got their feelings hurt. He is not a child who's being passive aggressive. He is a God who when he says it, he means it. So when he says there will always be enough left For you, there will always be enough left. You just have to use what's left over, and he'll make sure to fill the rest of it. I'm talking to somebody in the house today. You've been reserved, and God's like, no, you've got enough to give me praise in the middle of your storm. You've got enough to walk in faith when you feel like you're defeated. You've got enough strength to get up tomorrow morning and make a difference in someone's life. You've got enough in you. God's got the rest. You've got a word. Mm. Andrew and I are walking right now in a season of answered promises. Not answered prayers. I've lived in seasons of answered prayers and answered promises are different than answered prayers. Because answered prayers are what I asked for. Answered promises is what God told me is going to happen. And I've lived in answered prayers. And we are a faith-filled church that believes in the power of prayer and seeing God answer them. But I came this morning from what I have left. See, we didn't give up when people told us no. We didn't give up when the doctor said it's over, it's done. We didn't didn't give up. It looks different. Wasn't what I expected. Wasn't what I prayed about. But I'm standing on this stage today telling you I'm walking in a new season and I'm trying to steward. I'm trying to steward the oil. I'm trying to steward the flour. Because what God will do with my little... God wasn't so much interested in her having a piece of bread. His word was not even about the bread. His word to Elijah was, there will always be flour and olive oil in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. There was always... Enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised. The promise of God was that I'm going to produce crops and harvests that are going to produce leftovers. But while you wait for the leftovers, you have enough in you to make it until the promise is fulfilled. And I'm talking to someone in this house this morning that you are waiting on promises from God and you feel like all i have left is one more prayer and if it doesn't get answered this time i'm going to die all i've got left is a is one more hope one more message and if it doesn't work out this time then i'm going to go die i, I, I don't i'm going to lose my faith in christ one, one more, one more bad text. One more failed relationship. One more bad business deal. One more, one more discouraging thing on the job. One more, one more loss. One more traumatic event. Then I'm, I'm done. All I have left is enough to get me in this season, and God has sent me to remind you as your pastor this morning. There is always going to be enough left when you use it for His service. my job. God's given that to you. It'll always be there. But it's the ability to surrender and say, I'm going to use the oil and I'm going to use the flour like you asked. And then you allow God to bring the rain and the crop. And there will always be enough left over because our God is not a scarcity poverty ridden God He is a God of infinite riches, of infinite wisdom of infinite love, of infinite purpose, of infinite hope. Our God is infinite in all He does and today He's reminding someone in this house today that He will do what He has promised you just be faithful with what little you have and He'll supply the rest Can we put our hands together and just thank Him for that promise today? My problems are just prophecies in disguise. God's got a word. God's given us a word. God's given you a word. God's given your family a word. God's given you personally a word. But I'm walking in problems. I'm walking in problems. getting ready to walk in the fulfillment of a promise. child of God does not take a no from the enemy when God has given us the ultimate yes. Because that bully in our mind is going to tell you you'll never have enough. But God's word said you'll always have enough. Come on, will you just, will you raise your hand and say, I will always have enough. Because God said. God's gonna fill in the spaces. Where we see not enough is where he becomes more than enough. I don't feel like I have enough. No, you have enough. In fact, in Christ, you are enough. This is enough. But what he wants to do is add the more than enough. He didn't promise that you'd have a little joy. He said your joy would overflow. But I have enough oil of joy right now to get me through this season into the promise of of, of the fulfillment of what he has said. And then that becomes the overflow. I don't produce the overflow. He produces the overflow. I don't produce the crop. He produces the crop. I don't cause it to rain. He causes it to rain. And that empty space The empty space between not having enough and him overflowing it, the empty space of what you currently have and what you want to have, is the space where God works. And I always allow more space for God to work than I work. Someone needs to hear the word this morning. I always allow there to be more space for God to work than for me to work. And in moments of my illusioned emptiness is the places where God works the best. Because God will always fill vessels that are empty. He'll always repair vessels that are broken. He'll always mend hearts that are crushed. He'll always set at liberty the captive that is bound. He'll always do it. Because there's always enough with Him. And if you will start with the belief. If you start with the belief that you're not enough you're going to skip past the best parts that God has put in you. May I present to you this morning that maybe the best part of her season was not in the fulfillment of the crop, but it was in the moment of trusting what was left. We don't hear the story of her gathering bushels of wheat We don't see the story of her carrying jugs of olive oil. The story we have, the best part of this story is in the little, in the bite, in the pieces, in the mess, in the tiny, in the insignificant, in the not enough. The best part of her story was here. And when we believe... That we're not enough. And we don't have enough in me. We're going to skip over the very best parts. Can I, someone this morning, you may live in your best life. Look back on this moment. As you walk in the promises God has and said, that was a great time. Because I couldn't rely on myself. I had to trust on the space in between where God fills it. Where God fills it. And today, you are are a steward of the cup, of the jug, and of the jar. You're a steward. God's a steward of his promise. You've got a word, so start using what's left over. Pastor, you don't know they've hurt me. You've got enough love to keep moving forward. They've, they've betrayed me. Yeah, you've got enough faith to keep moving forward. God wants to move in the in-between to heal the places that you have not yet recovered from. But you have to be willing to switch from life abandonment to life ownership. And say, this is the spot where God works best. I'm just called the steward, the jar, the jug, and the cup. So my primal question, am I good enough? Am I enough? Do I have enough to make it this week? Do I have enough to get through? Do I have enough emotional stability to keep pressing forward? Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Do I have enough energy to make it through another holiday? Do I have enough mental fortitude to keep going through with what I'm going through? Do I have enough strength to make it through? And the thing is with this question is we are operating in what's to come instead of operating from what already is. We're operating in what's tomorrow gonna hold and what the next day is gonna hold, and what my future is gonna hold. We're operating, am I enough? Because we're wondering, do I have enough for tomorrow? And Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way Give us today our daily bread, because in this day, that bread is enough. Tomorrow, give us this day our daily bread, because there's enough bread in tomorrow it's already waiting it's already there because god will never allow the oil to run out or the flour to run dry he'll never allow the water to cease he won't allow the sticks to not be there he's given you enough in you and so our primal question of am i enough or am i good enough is always borrowing from a future context and today the primal truth that answers that question am i enough is this he is enough Cause in your mind, you'll never be enough. But in His eyes and His heart and His life and His purpose is that He is always enough and there will not be anything that will run dry. Today is your day. You've got enough in you. He's given it. Let's put our faith in the space in between and trust Him with His job. Come on, will you lift your hands as you stand all over this room? And will you just make that declaration? He is Enough. Come on, will you shout it with me? He is enough. One more time. He is enough. Come on, if you believe it, will you put your hands together and just thank him that he is enough. Maybe some of you lived, you grew up under the shadow of someone else comparing you with others. And like me, you just—you were never told you weren't good enough. You just felt like you weren't good enough. God wants to free you from that today. And he wants to heal you and heal your heart and realize it's, it's not about what you have enough of, but it's about yielding to what he is enough of. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come and as they come this morning I'm going to ask our, our heads to be bowed our eyes closed today and I just feel like there may be somebody here on this line of faith wondering if you want to follow Jesus or, or not maybe, maybe you've been away you've, you've walked away from the Lord but and you have felt like you're not enough God will never love me for the mistakes I've made and the past I've been a part of the abuse I've struggled with. And God will never love me because I'm living in shame. Today, shame's power gets broken when I declare God is enough. That the parts of my shame come down. That, that barrier comes down when I start giving him praise for the good that he's given me. And today, maybe you're battling with that shame. I I failed, I messed up, I've I've gone backwards. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm I'm surprised he didn't strike me with lightning when I walked in this building. If he knew all the sin, the thing is, he does know all the sin. He does know all the issues. And he loves you in spite of those things. And he has given you enough to make it through. And today, may I introduce you to a word called grace. And that grace of God will save you from your sin because... The sacrifice that Jesus gave when he gave his all, he didn't give a portion, he gave his entire life for you and for me so that we might have eternal life with him and in moments like this is our opportunity to say I need a fresh start, I want to move forward, I want to be saved I want to say yes to Jesus and I want a great life so I'm going to pray over you and I'd ask you to pray with me and as I end, I'm going to count to three. And I want you, if you're making this decision, say, I want to be saved. I want a fresh start. I want to come back. I want to step into a new life. I'm finally giving my life to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I know that he died for me. I know he was buried. I know he rose again for me. And today I'm saying yes to Jesus. So when I count to three, you just shoot your hand up. Say, I'm saying yes. I'm going to follow him even with my little pieces pray with me. Father, I give you my life. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, that you would make me a new person in Christ today. Today I take a step forward and I denounce shame. I put shame in its place by declaring that you are my Savior today. in my life that you would save my soul, that you would revive me restore relationship with me in this room lives that have been committed and rededicated this morning we give you our life we thank you and we celebrate these fresh starts and their way towards you we give you all the praise for it in jesus thank you so much for joining us today i want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow jesus to transform your soul we pray that you have an amazing week thanks again for being a part of the encounter church family god bless you